Welcome to Theories of the Third Kind. Welcome to Theories of the Third Kind. My name is Aaron, and I am one of your hosts today. There's another host that is joining me, Daniel Sun. Yo, what's up, guys? Now, real quick, before we start today's episode, I just want to say that if you'd like to support the show, then there's a few ways that you could do that. One of the ways is Patreon. Each week, we release a Patreon-exclusive episode that only Patreon supporters can get access to. To sign up, it's only $5 a month, which is only 16 cents a day. Not only do you get an extra episode per week for that $5, but you also get access to our entire back catalog of past Patreon episodes. In total, we have over 143 extra Patreon episodes, which is a lot of extra hours for your listening pleasure. Now, to see this full list of Patreon episodes, you can go to our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com, click on the Patreon episodes tab, and there will be an entire list of past Patreon exclusive episodes that we have published. Also, today we added another Patreon-exclusive episode, which is over gay frogs. They're turning the friggin' frogs gay. Which I know is a weird episode title, but trust us. This episode is crazy. We talk about how a Harvard researcher found out that a very popular agricultural chemical that was being sprayed on plants is turning male frogs into female frogs. Also, this chemical is the most prominent one in America's drinking water. Now, when this researcher tried to tell the world about this, the chemical company basically shut him down and ruined his whole reputation. So you get access to that episode, as well as all of the others, for just $5. Now, if you can't afford a Patreon membership, but you would like to help us out, then you can leave us a written review on iTunes or on Spotify, and it helps us out a lot. However, don't feel pressure to leave us one. If you don't want to, then that's fine. We just want you guys, girls, aliens, reptilians, Bigfoot, Sasquatches, Chupacabras, ghosts, Illuminati members, underground lizard people, whoever or whatever you are, to enjoy the show. And real quick, one last announcement I want to make is that me and Dan are probably at, what, 85%? We're not at 100% yet. We're still getting over the uh, virus that shall not be named. But yeah, we're, we're almost there. We're almost fully recovered. But I've noticed that I get out of breath quickly, especially when I'm talking. Yep, I'm over here trying to, then I have to stop, take a breath, then I cough a little, then I can go on. Yeah, that virus absolutely destroyed my lung capacity. Anyways, alright, so that's the end of the announcements. So today's episode is about Stargates. So how this episode will go today is that we'll talk about what is a Stargate, and then we'll go into the history of them, and then we'll transition into strange facts and findings, theories, and then, of course, wrap everything up with our own personal thoughts and theories. So with that being said, let's get into today's episode. For hundreds of years, stories were passed down of ancient beings traveling through doorways and instantaneously arriving on Earth. These ancient beings shared their technology with us humans. However, it was eventually forgotten. Do these portals still exist today and are hidden gateways to other worlds? Or is it simply all just an exaggerated story 
made up by the government as a way to hide what is truly going on. This is Stargates. All right. So to start this episode off today, we have to understand what exactly Stargates are. Then we're going to get into who mentioned them first in history, and then into the juicy stuff, which is the strange facts and findings, and of course the theories. So with all that being said, Dan, do you want to start this episode off for us today and tell us what is a Stargate? When you look it up, you will find the same explanation over and over, which is, and I quote, an otherworldly door or portal to outside realms hidden within Earth's and space magnetic fields, waiting to transport the enlightened traveler to a place beyond current time limitations. So to put this in simpler terms, a Stargate is basically a door or a portal that leads to other places beyond our current means of travel, like to other galaxies, planets, or possibly other dimensions. Now, the possibilities are probably endless with this type of portal or doorway, but people believe that the most likely location these stargates would take you would be to other universes. Like, that's the main belief. But some people believe that these stargates are actually hubs. Like, you go through one stargate and it transports you or teleports you to another stargate located on Earth. So, yeah, there's a lot of theories behind it, but. Like we stated earlier, we're going to get into the theory section a little bit later on. So, Dan, tell us a little bit about the Stargate television series. Now, if y'all have ever seen it, you know, Stargate SG-1 or all the other ones or the movie, they talk about what Stargates are and they describe them as a powerful ancient structure that was built millions of years ago by a race called the Ancients. As they explored the universe, they would build Stargates on thousands of planets and different locations connecting all of them together. The ancients would do this for many, many years until they reached a point in their civilization where they eventually abandoned their own physical bodies, becoming pure energy. These stargates, though, would have a seven glyph gate address that would be needed to travel from gate to gate by creating a stable wormhole between the two gates. Hold on, wait, wait. These stargates would have a seven glyph gate address? What is that? Like their address of the stargate? Yeah, so the first six would actually be for the destination that you're traveling to. The first six stargates? Six glyphs. What the hell's a glyph? Symbols. Like hieroglyphics. Oh, okay. So these glyphs are around the stargate. They're on the stargate around them, and you have like a little control panel to where you hit the button of the glyph you want. The stargate would like rotate to the glyph that you want and like lock it in. Okay, so like the each glyph or symbol is a location that the Stargate takes you to. Not each one, but think of it as like an IP address or an address of the house. You have to enter a certain address for it to connect to that. Like you're using a GPS. Okay. All right. Yeah. So the first six would actually be the address for where the other gate location. The seventh one would actually be your location. Oh. So once you enter the seventh one, it locks in, gate connects. Then you're able to walk through and poof, you're at your location. Oh, that's pretty cool. We need to build some of these. That would be pretty nice. Yeah. But yeah, that there is pretty much the TV series uh, Stargate in the movie. All right. And it pretty much sums up what a Stargate is. 
Yeah, pretty much. That's ideal Stargate that people believe in. Yeah. So now that we know what a Stargate is, let's talk a little bit about the first mention of a Stargate in history. So the first time anyone has ever mentioned a Stargate was way back in July of 1942. A science fiction writer named A.E. Van Vogt wrote an interesting article that was featured in a magazine. This article talks about a teleporting gadget that was used in World War II by the Germans. Now, we have a quick summary of the article, and it states the following. Early in the beginning of World War II, a great German scientist was working on a cool gadget. You could use this gadget and focus it anywhere in the universe and through an orifice that is part of the gadget, you can directly reach that location. Do you want crude oil? Focus the gadget inside an oil well anywhere and help yourself. Do you want to attack London? Focus the gadget on some place in the city where you want your tanks in and just drive through the orifice. Establishment wants his gadget. His brother was executed by Nazis for political reasons sometime back. So they get him working on the gadget under careful watch and arrest him as soon as the gadget is finished. Only the gadget is not going to do them any good because the scientist indeed was using it as a tool for revenge. So that's pretty much the summary of what the article said that was written. And it's pretty much recognized as the first mention of a Stargate. And we actually have a small image of what appears to be this orifice being operated in soldiers running through it. And it's a drawing that was featured in the magazine. And we'll have this on our website for anyone that wants to take a look at it. Just go to theoriesofthethirdkind.com, click on today's episode, and all of the images that we talk about today will be right there for you to look at. It reminds me of a, either a big drum that's on its side or a big spotlight. Yeah. Just from the look of the picture. And these soldiers are just running into it and traveling inside of whatever it is to the other side. Yep. So following that article, for the next few years, this concept of a Stargate started to get mentioned more often. For an example, on October 25th, 1952, on a radio episode of Space Patrol, they talked about what they called, and I quote, a hole in space. And this hole allowed you to travel to different locations. Then only three years later, in 1955, Robert A. Heinlein wrote a book called Tunnel in the Sky. In this book, there is a device that is called the Ramsbotham Jump, which is a teleportation device in which humans can walk through it and be sent to other planets. Following that book, no one really talked about Stargates for the next few years. Then, in 1968, the film 2001 A Space Odyssey was released. Now, in this movie, they used the term Stargate to describe a large monolith, which is a classic Stargate portal to another part of the universe. Then again, for years, Stargates aren't really mentioned in films or books. However, in 1994, the film called Stargate was released, and it brought this concept to the mainstream. Following that, multiple movies and even TV shows have been made after it, like we said. Now, even though this concept was only thought of as a theory, you know, having a Stargate and traveling through it to another location, and not many people believed it was possible, in 2015, 
NASA ended up coming out and admitting to having spent at least a decade in researching stargates and the possibility of locations having access points to places outside of our world, our universe, and even beyond space and time as we know it. With this announcement, NASA also stated that they found no scientific evidence to support the theory of stargates or doors having the ability to allow individuals to travel to different locations. However, many other individuals say they have found evidence of such devices and are actively covering it up. But we will save that for our theory section. So that right there is what a stargate is and a little bit of the history behind it being, you know, mentioned. Now let's get into the juicy stuff the strange facts and findings that we came across while researching this topic. So, Dan, do you want to start it off for us and tell us the first strange fact and finding? So our first strange fact and finding that we're going to talk about is the locations around the world that are suspected to contain stargates. So the first location where a suspected stargate is located is in the country of Peru and is called the Gate of the Gods. So to understand why individuals think this location has a stargate in it, we have to go back to the year 1533 and talk a little bit about what happened during that time. Okay, so I want you to envision yourself being in the year 1533. You're a Spanish conquistador, and you just arrived at the border of the Inca Empire. You and your friends, aka the conquistadors, are making your way through the town, looting and plundering what you have found. During this, there was an Inca priest named Amaru Ramu, who was watching the conquistadors in the distance, getting closer and closer to him. As Ramu watched this, he took his community's most prized possession and held it close to him. This was a small golden disc that the Incas called the Key of the Gods. Now, before these Spanish conquistadors were able to reach Ramu, he escaped into the mountains around Lake Titicaca, and he was still holding on to his precious golden disc. Now, there in the mountains, Ramu came across a group of holy men who were guarding what appeared to be a large doorway that was carved into the side of the mountain. The holy men began to tell Ramu that the doorway was a portal that they called the Gate of the Gods. When this doorway was opened, it led to a different world where the Inca's deities lived. The holy men also stated that great heroes of the past have traveled through this door when their time on Earth was complete. Also, there was a prophecy that one day the gate would open much wider than it had before and all of the gods would return to Earth. Of course, this intrigued Ramu, who began to examine the doorway more closely, which he noticed in the middle of this giant door was a small, circular depression, and it was at this moment that he realized the golden disc that he was carrying was the exact same size as the spot in the door. So Ramu then took the golden disc, placed it into the depression, and it fit perfectly. Suddenly, a blue light began emanating from the doorway, and a mythical portal began to open. Ramu and the holy men stared in awe at what they were witnessing. Ramu suddenly looked at the holy men and said, 
don't know about you guys, but I'm going to walk into this bitch. <laughs> That's what he did. His ass walked right through that portal and he was never seen again. He was like, so long, suckers. So long, holy boys. And he walked right through that portal. Now, this story was mainly looked at as a myth and mainly forgotten. However, that was until 1996 when a local tour guide named Jose Luis Delgado was giving a tour near Lake Titicaca, was making his way towards the Hayumarca Mountain. And on the side of the mountain, the tour guide discovered a massive, 7-meter-high, 7-meter-wide stone door. Now, we do have a photograph of the side of this mountain where the doorway is. And if you want to see that, just like the previous image, you can just go to our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com, click on today's episode, and the image will be there for you to take a look at. And it is exactly what it is. It's a picture of the side of a mountain, and there is a doorway that's carved out of the side of it. I mean, surely nature did not make that. No, nature did not make that at all. That is carved out intentionally. Very weird. Very weird, and I feel like they left it unfinished. They should have just did the whole side there. Yeah. Anyway, so what happened after he found this doorway? All right. So Lewis, a.k.a. the tour guide, ended up asking the locals in the area if they knew about this stone door, which they did. These locals told Lewis the story of this massive stone door being a portal in which heroes of the past entered to join their gods in the next life. Also, the locals stated that these heroes would sometimes return back through this door, accompanied by their holy gods. They would inspect the world they had left behind, and then leave. So, after this discovery, the Peruvian government listed the location as a protected ancient archaeological site. Now, since then, archaeological teams have requested permission from the government to start research and digging of this location. However, they have all been denied. So, there you go. That's the first location of a suspected Stargate. I mean, it does make it suspicious that they won't give anybody permission to go study it. Yeah. So, the next location that a suspected Stargate is located is in Lake Michigan. So, back in 2007, a professor, Mark Holly and his colleague, Brian Abbott, were using sonar equipment to scan the bottom of Lake Michigan for any shipwrecks. Instead of finding any wrecked ships, Mark and Brian found a weird Stonehenge-like construction 40 feet below the surface. And we actually have some photographs of this, and you can find it on our website. And uh, yeah, it's, it shows multiple vertical standing stones underwater that are covered in moss. And it looks exactly like they said. It, it looks like a miniature Stonehenge underwater. So there was something else that they found there too, right, Dan? That's right. Something else that was very interesting that Mark and Brian had found was that on one of the outer stones, there appears to be a carving of a mastodon. And if you don't know what a mastodon is, it's pretty much a creature that is believed to be extinct for at least 10,000 years. It looks like a giant-ass hairy elephant with large tusks. It's exactly what it looks like, a big old hairy elephant. And uh, we do have an image of that carving. Now, what does this Stonehenge-like structure in Lake Michigan have to do with stargates? Well, a lot of people speculate that 
these structures and its location is actually an ancient prehistoric portal that leads to another world. Like that location was where they activated the portal. Now, those are just some locations that people have speculated where these stargates exist. And of course, there is theory about one being located in Iraq. However, we will go into that stargate in more detail during our theory section. But before we do that, let's talk about our next strange fact and finding. So our next strange fact and finding is about the Stargate Project. And if you remember, we talked about this Stargate Project on our remote viewing episode. But we're going to do a little bit of a refresher right now, okay? So this Stargate Project was a secret United States Army unit that was established in 1978 at Fort Meade, Maryland. Now, when this secret unit was created, it wasn't actually called the Stargate Project. Instead, it was called the Gondola Wish Program. For the next two decades, this program went by a number of different names. It started off as the Gondola Wish, to Grill Flame, to Inscom Center Lane, then to Project Sunstreak, and finally, in 1991, it was called Project Stargate. In an FYI, to make things easier to understand, from here on out, we're just going to refer to this project as Stargate. All right. So when this project was established in 1978, its main goal was to locate individuals with psychic powers in order to use these individuals as spies. Now, this program would receive millions of dollars in funding over many years of its existence. And even though it did receive millions of dollars, it didn't get much support from individuals inside the government who were aware of this program. Which, by the way, not a lot of people were aware of this project since it was top secret. So those few people who knew about it, they were skeptical to say the least. And because of that, they were hesitant on providing the funding for it. Also, at this time, there was a lot of stigma associated with researching psychic powers. There was, and a lot of people didn't want to be connected to it, especially oh. if they were political. Oh, I could definitely believe that. Yeah. So over the years, this top secret program bounced around between defense-related government agencies before finally, in 1995, it was sent to the CIA. Now, once the CIA got control of this program, they quickly canceled it and stated that the Stargate program was useless and it did not produce any results. However. In 2017, the government released some classified documents that stated otherwise. For instance, there was one document that talked about the Stargate program as a whole. It said, and we quote, While the program didn't prove psychic abilities, it didn't disprove them either. Now, there are a lot more interesting things in the documents, such as several hundred top-secret intelligent gathering missions that used remote viewing. The missions included individuals using psychic abilities who correctly identified the locations of Soviet submarines, downed airplanes, hostages, and they even located former Libyan dictator Gaddafi in the 1980s. So that right there is the Stargate Project which really doesn't have anything to do with the Stargates we're talking about today. But I figured it was worth mentioning, right? It was a quick overview, 
of the Stargate project and the psychic abilities so that we got that base covered. Now, Dan, what is this next strange fact and finding you have here? All right. So this next strange fact and finding is about a YouTube short that I found when looking up Stargates. In Lithuania, there's a circular portal that they built to where if you stand in front of it, you can see on the other side of it, which is Poland. Sadly, you cannot travel through it, but it is a live feed of both locations connecting the two. So technically, this would be considered a portal, but not the kind you could physically travel through. And when I looked at it at first, it's kind of weird to see because you know how we had the World War II where the had the image of them walking through it. If you actually watch it and look at it, it's actually kind of freaky looking. And it just makes you think sooner or later, one day they could possibly have it to where you could just walk right through. Okay, so we have a link and we'll provide it on our website for anyone that wants to go take a look at it. And wow, that is pretty weird. But what is that? Just like a camera feed? It's got to be just a camera feed. It's pretty much a camera feed that's showing the live view of each area. And they did it to connect it to try to, I think, bring people together more. It looks like a Stargate. It's it looks huge. like a Stargate. It's a huge portal type thing that has a live feed. So it just doesn't look like a live camera. It looks like a big portal. I saw it and I'm just like, I mean, yeah, it looks real because it is a live feed through the thing. But just the way they have it set up, it looks like a miniature Stargate. It does. Dang. All right, so let's get into our next strange fact and finding, which goes back all the way a long time ago to our Anunnaki episode. So when we did an episode over the Anunnaki, we stated that they had arrived 400,000 years ago on Earth. Well, the theory, there's a theory that they arrived 400,000 years ago, right? Now, while they were here, these Anunnaki disguised themselves as fish humans, lion humans, bird humans, and other creatures basically to get the humans to worship them as gods. Now, there is a rumor that these Anunnaki also created a portal in modern-day Iraq to transfer minerals to Nibiru, which is supposedly their planet, to fix their atmosphere because apparently their atmosphere is screwing up and they had to get the materials from Earth and uh, transfer it back to their planet. Yeah, and then digging for more into like the connections with the Anunnaki and Stargates, we stumbled upon an explanation of the differences between artificial Stargates and the Anunnaki's Babs. That's what they call Babs, them. B-A-A-B-S? Yeah, it's pretty much B-A apostrophe A-B-S, Babs. Okay. It looks like Ba'abs. The Anunnaki Babs is kind of like a Stargate of theirs or something? It's the original official Stargate. Oh, so it's the OG one. It's the OG one, which I had no idea there was an artificial and then there was a OG one. I just thought they were just Stargates, right? Okay. You got the explanation between the two? I do. Okay. So artificial Stargates take people in spaceships in a sort of time-space wrap line tunnels, but they do not take the travelers to a higher dimension of cosmic awareness and universal enlightenment. So pretty much it's just for travel purposes. Okay. This means, you know, the artificial Stargate does not provide the traveler with mental or intellectual ascension 
These were just meant for traveling back and forth, so purely like for mechanical and scientific use. All right, so the artificial ones is just for like traveling. It's like a highway from point A to point B. Correct. Okay, so what is the Anunnaki Babs then? Now, the Anunnaki Stargates, the Babs, give the travelers full access to the map of the universe, ultra dimensions, multiple universes, parallel worlds, and above all the higher knowledge and dimensions. Another difference between the two is that the artificial Stargate, when you go through it, you actually have to navigate through the Stargate on the other side to make it to the next point. So you just don't walk in and, I guess, instantly get to the next point. But with the Anunnaki Stargate, there's no navigating. You are supposedly quantum jumping from one place to the next. Okay, so an artificial Stargate is pretty much like you have some load time. It's going to take you a little bit of time to travel. Not really long, but there's some time traveling through that wormhole. The best way to describe it is you're on the highway. You got the normal highway, and then you got the, oh, I got money. I'm going to take the fast lane that's in the middle and bypass <laughs> all this traffic. That's literally the best okay. way to describe it. So the, the, the old or the OG Stargate, the Anunnaki one, is the fast, the, the money one, the fast one. Correct. Not only gets you there like almost instantly, but it also enlightens you, you and all that. So pretty much you're like gaining knowledge and stuff and you have more access to more Stargates around the universe. I want that Stargate. Yeah. So pretty much sounds like that someone tried to copy the Anunnaki Babs and they didn't have enough energy or power to fully create or fully recreate. So they made a bootleg Stargate. Yeah, I like read this and I'm just like, so it shows that, you know, not one ancient civilization was able to do it. So that means others are able to. Yeah, that makes sense if it's real, which that's a good transition into our theories where we talk about, is this truly real or not? Before we get into that, let's take a quick break. It'll be really fast, I promise. And welcome back. We're going to talk about our first theory, which is called Iraq. And you touched on it a little bit earlier about the Anunnaki, but we're going to go a little bit deeper into it. But instead of us explaining this theory, we actually have a three-minute audio clip from the History Channel explaining this theory perfectly. So we're going to take a listen to that right now. Iraq, March 19th, 2003. The United States military begins its shock and awe air campaign over the city of Baghdad. It is a preemptive strike aimed to overthrow Iraqi dictator Saddam Hussein, who the government believes is in possession of weapons of mass destruction. Saddam Hussein wanted to make Iraq a regional and perhaps a global superpower. He spoke about himself as the new Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar II was the great Babylonian warrior king, most famously known for rebuilding and expanding the Babylonian Empire in the 6th century BC. His armies conquered Egypt, as well as ransacking and destroying Solomon's temple in 597 BC. Saddam Hussein went nuts. He believed he was the reincarnation of Nebuchadnezzar. So he ordered massive reconstruction of Babylon, which was done. 
with bricks bearing his name on them. Everyone would come to respect the ancient Nebuchadnezzar and the new Nebuchadnezzar. The missing piece to the puzzle of why we went to war with Iraq is the understanding that Saddam Hussein sought to outdo what Nebuchadnezzar had accomplished in his earlier life. The ultimate accomplishment of Nebuchadnezzar was the opening of the fiery furnace. Nebuchadnezzar had gone to Jerusalem, looted and leveled the Temple of Solomon, and he brought the wise men of the temple back to Babylon with them. What happened in the story is absolutely amazing. These three wise men enter this fiery furnace. Not only did they come back out in perfect condition, they weren't alone. They came back with an extraterrestrial visitor in tow. In today's terms, we would obviously call this a stargate or a portal. Saddam knew this. There's one theory that the Iraq war was actually a war about a stargate. Saddam Hussein, so the theory goes, got access to this stargate, maybe threatened to use it. Was that why the Allied powers went in? It sounds far-fetched, but this theory is widely believed. All right, so in case you didn't fully understand that theory, we're going to break it down for you. Now, I want you to imagine this scenario. It's in the late 1990s, the United States government obtains intelligence that hidden somewhere in central Iraq is an actual stargate. Now, this stargate was placed there by the Anunnaki gods of ancient Sumeria. In this theory, the current leader at that time, Saddam Hussein, is actively trying to rebuild the stargate at their museum so that when it gets activated, the Anunnaki can travel to Earth through it, set up their encampment in Iraq. Once the United States found this out, President Bush decided to invade Iraq by saying that they have weapons of mass destruction, WMDs. During this invasion, American scientists raided the Iraqi National Museums and are able to stop the rebuilding process of the Stargate. This, of course, frustrates Saddam Hussein and, you know, stops his plans and allows the New World Order to stay in control. Now, there have been people who have come out and stated that this is exactly what happened. For example, Dr. Michael Sala, who spent two years as an associate at the Center for Middle Eastern and Central Asian Studies in Australia, wrote a paper on this Iraq Stargate theory. In this paper, Dr. Sala stated that he believes that the United States, Russia, Germany, and France have been aware that the Anunnaki left behind some very high-tech apparatuses and possibly weaponry when they abandoned the Earth around 1700 BC and that the leader of Iraq, Saddam Hussein, has been getting assistance from Russia, German, and French archaeology teams for years in an attempt to unravel and perhaps reverse engineer this apparatus, which Dr. Sala claims that it is the most advanced technology that is currently on planet Earth. So that's 
that theory about stargates being in Iraq. And that is why we invaded Iraq, because the weapons of mass destruction were not nuclear weapons or chemical weapons, but they were, in fact, stargates. And that Saddam Hussein was trying to bring back the Anunnaki to fight for him. I mean, they, he did say that the Anunnaki left behind some very high-tech apparatuses and possibly weaponry. They could have been weapon of mass destruction. Yeah, they could have been. But is there probably not, but you know. Do you remember that episode we did over the giant of Kandahar? Ah, uh, yes, that episode. Yeah, I know you're skeptical of the giant of Kandahar, and a lot of people were skeptical over that story. But wouldn't it be crazy if they were actually able to create a Stargate, uh, Saddam Hussein was, and he was able to bring over one Anunnaki, and <laughs> they sent over the stupid one, and it was the giant of Kandahar. And they were like, <laughs> the Stargate quit working after that. And they got this big, tall, stupid Anunnaki guy with red hair. He's like, <laughs> so I just pictured in my head that they got the Stargate working and the Anunnaki are just like, oh, shit, it's way too early for us to go. All right, we're drawing straws here. Who's going to be the lucky one to go? And of course, the giant of Kandahar gets so lucky enough to go and he ends up living in a damn cave and stabbing or impaling a soldier named Dan. Yeah. If you haven't listened to our Giant of Kandahar episode, go take a listen to it. It's pretty good. I mean, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the episode, but I just, I'm just skeptical of it. Not enough evidence for me to go off of. Rightly so. Anyways, now there's something else I wanted to mention about this theory, is that when we were digging into it, we actually found some pretty weird things that I figured we should mention. I mean, it's not about Stargates, but it's weird, okay? Before we get into that, let's take a quick break. It'll be really fast, I promise. And welcome back. So back at the very beginning of the invasion of Iraq in 2003, there was a United States task force called Task Force 20. Now, this group was composed of mainly black ops special forces, and was secretly stationed at a base in Saudi Arabia. During the invasion of Iraq, this Task Force 20 was sent out to random locations in Iraq. Iraq started publishing odd reports in their papers about this group, and rumors started spreading amongst the Iraqi people. For example, one newspaper stated, and we quote, A United States soldier peered out of a passing tank. A young engineering student contemplated one of the more common questions on the streets of Baghdad. Did the soldiers wrap around sunglasses give him X-ray vision? The engineering student, Samir Hamed, stated, With those sunglasses, he can definitely see through women's clothes. It makes me angry. We are afraid to take our families out on the street. So yeah, that was one rumor that was going around during the invasion was that this task force had X-ray glasses and they could see through women's clothes. I mean, suicide bombings was prevalent during that time. If they had the technology to see through clothing to make sure that civilians did not have bombs strapped to them, they would 100% use that technology. I mean, yeah. Which, it really wouldn't surprise me if they had that type of technology. But with it like, if it had like X-ray vision, it would see through more than just clothes. Yeah, I guess x-ray vision is the wrong term. It would be like material see-through vision. 
Another odd rumor that was printed in the newspapers was that whenever the invasion started and Saddam Hussein went into hiding, that he contacted his alien friends and they gave him some bioengineering technology to help him create giant scorpions to fight off the American soldiers. The newspaper also stated that the American soldiers were hiding the amount of casualties that had occurred due to these giant scorpions and that they were taking the bodies of the dead soldiers and dumping them into the river at night and telling the relatives that their loved ones were not killed by giant scorpions but were in fact killed by roadside bombs. Well, damn. Yeah, so that was one of the odd rumors that was printed in the newspaper, which is very weird. Imagine going through the desert and seeing a giant-ass scorpion, like off of the Scorpion King movie. You got Dwayne the Rock Johnson riding it, and then he turns into a scorpion. Damn. Anyway. All right, so let's get into the next theory. All right, so this theory is that Stargates, they're real. Sure, you know, we probably don't have the technology to create our own, but the Anunnaki or whatever race that did create Stargates did, in fact, like leave them behind and say, like in Iraq, the real reason for going over there and, I mean, invading is for this Stargate and not just for weapons of mass destruction. So I think this is somewhat true of the Stargates being real, but them not accessing other dimensions or other parts of the universe. I think if they were real, they would be locations to different areas around the world. Now, the reason I say this is because if you think about the pyramids, right, you think about the Incas and the Egyptians, and you have all these other pyramids popping up around the world, looking very similar, but thousands of miles apart. How were they able to do this and know how to build these so similarly without being in communication with one another? You know what it was? Stargates. The Anunnaki's. Oh, you think the Anunnaki traveled over there to each one of them? So, reading on the Anunnaki's, a bunch of them ended up staying on Earth, and they ended up pretty much going to different parts of the world and being leaders or gods of the humans in that area. So, that would explain saying, like, there's one here, then there's one there. I mean, granted, they could be connected to each other, which, I mean, I'm pretty sure they were, but they could also be connected to other places if i would say like it is like the uh, stargate series they had the address for it because i mean they would have to have some way of i don't know like like an address or something to travel to different ones unless literally those two like say the peru and like michigan were only connected to each other and then that's where they traveled all right so let's say that was the case what happened to the stargates and to the anunnaki then i mean Anunnaki, they ended up breeding with humans, making Nephilims, if I remember correctly, and pretty much just the bloodline kind of diluted. There was really no use for the Stargate, so it kind of just sat there, just not being used at all. Okay. So the main theory, if you read, I think it's Zachariah Stitchin, and his whole translation of the tablets, of the Sumerian tablets and the Anunnaki history, don't exactly quote me on this. Whoever's listening, uh, you're going to have to fact check me, but this is just going off the top of my head if I remember correctly. 
Zachariah Stitchin stated that the Anunnaki's came and they they used their DNA and they created humans as sort of like a slave race to mine gold. And then they transferred this gold to their planet to help stabilize their planet's atmosphere because their planet's atmosphere needed gold in it. And that was the whole reason why we were created. And then eventually the Anunnaki ended up getting into a war with one another. They killed each other off. The humans, of course, we stayed around. We repopulated the earth and uh, we lost all the technology that the Anunnaki had which is why when you go look at the carvings in Egypt on the walls, I think it's in Egypt, where they have <clears throat> that one individual sitting up on the throne who is way larger than everyone else. That is one of the Anunnaki's. Okay. Now, there is another theory that these stargates don't lead to other locations around the Earth, but that they actually lead to inside the earth now this is assuming that the earth is hollow okay and if you haven't listened to our hollow earth episode go take a listen to it we've done an episode over it but basically there's a theory that the earth is hollow and inside of it there is another race that lives there and it's super peaceful in there you would say dan i mean i would say so because like say the one in peru that heroes would go when they're ready for i guess their new life or next life they would go in there to where it's peaceful and everything with their gods and such. And then when the time was right, they would come back through it. Not sure why, because they would just go right back into it again. Like, oh, the world's shit. Back to peace. Yeah. So there's that theory that the Stargates led to Hollow Earth. Eh. I don't know. The Lake Michigan one, maybe. Just because it's like underneath the water and it kind of goes straight down, it looks like. I think that one leads to Atlantis. Oh. Like the ones that are located underwater now, there was a structure that they found at Lake Titicaca we talked about a couple of weeks ago, and then you have the Lake Michigan one. I think that there's other locations that are covered up with water that eventually lead to Atlantis. All right, I have this random theory that I read, and it kind of got me thinking. Okay, ready for this shit? Oh, I'm ready. For some reason, it just popped back in my popped back into my head. So these stargates that we are finding, if they're stargates. They're not two-way. They're one-way. One-way. These portals, they open up and beings come from the other side of it. So I read, I remember reading somewhere that these portals would open up and that Earth way back was just a huge battlefield. That instead of fighting like on their planets and all that stuff, they built portals on this planet Earth and that they would actually come here and fight. That's why they're all in different locations, saying like they're different bases and like different areas, kind of like Mortal Kombat. Hey, let's go fight at this one place. Exactly. Man, that's kind of shitty of them. Why would they do that? Imagine us sitting here recording, all of a sudden a Stargate opens up and two big-ass people walk through like, hey, we're going to fight here. I'm like, look, I spent the past like half a year building this studio. Can't you fight somewhere else? I mean, yeah. But you think about it, though. Different beings, races, and all that come in here. And then, say, some of them just said, you know, screw it. I don't want to fight. Why do we have to fight? They settle down, and there's all different types of people around the world. To piggyback off that theory, what if it's a one-way, but it's not to come here, but to go there, and instead, this alien race has come here thousands of years ago, created us, 
and made us to repopulate the earth, right? We're just populating, 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 waiting for us to hit a certain peak. And then they open up the stargates and then shuffle us all through. And we are their army that they have grown. Why do I feel like this is something you mentioned before? I have mentioned it before. We are just like a farm. The earth is a farm and the aliens are sitting back. We're not even aware of them. They've been to multiple other planets in the universe and they have these stargates all leading back to their planet and they're growing humans so that one day when they get into a battle, they open up their stargate, push all of us through. And there we are with like 18 trillion other humans from all over the universe fighting these freaking creatures. No shit. I wouldn't be fighting anybody. I'd be running. I'd be running. I'm a lover. I'm not a fighter. All right, Dan, tell us about this next theory we got written down. All right. So this next theory that we have is similar to the previous one of hollow earth, not the whole battle. Earth is a battlefield. The stargates are real. However, instead of leading into hollow earth, when you travel through them, they allow you to escape the simulation. That's right. Simulation. So, of course, this theory is under the assumption that we all live in a simulation and Stargates are the exits to this simulation. Yeah, I don't really like that one. Nah. Now, to move on to another theory, because I don't like that one at all. Okay. I'm about to go extremely nerdy here. Wait, are you going to go with your own personal thoughts and theories now? Is that No. This is about an anime that I watched. Oh, Jesus Christ. It is an older one called Heroic Age. Now, Cool name. So now there are different races that are literally, some are peaceful, but I think it's the Silver Tribe that is very hostile. They're more intelligent, more higher intelligence because they, can, uh, they don't even have to speak. They talk to each other telepathically and they could like teleport everywhere and shit. They're highly advanced. Then you got like the normal humans, which, you know, we're still learning traveling space and such. But the whole point of it is they're all trying to follow the, I think it was the Golden Tribe. They were in charge, like they were like the head honcho, the Golden Tribe. But all of a sudden they disappeared. No one knew where they went or anything like that. Everyone, the Iron Tribe, the Silver Tribe, like all of them, they were trying to figure out where they went and to go follow them. The whole point of the anime was that there was a portal at the very end once you hit a higher ascension in your civilization, you moved on to a new area, new universe. A new dimension? A new dimension. Okay. So once you got to that point, you were allowed to go through this portal. What if you went through it anyway? You couldn't. It would not open up if you were not ready for it. So we need to travel to that doorway in Peru near Lake Titicaca. Chacacaca. Chacacaca. <laughs> <laughs> We need to go there and see if it opens up for us. It would honestly have to be the whole Earth as a civilization. If we were ready, the portal would open up. We would travel through it to a new dimension to where then we would begin a new life. I don't think another dimension wants us. No, that's probably why it hasn't opened up. <laughs> yeah. We got a lot of learning left to do. You yeah, know? but th this honestly, just, just now, like, this shit just reminded me of it. And I was just like, that was such a good anime. It was old, but. Sounds good. I'll have to check it out. You'll be like, oh, I, I can't watch this shit. <laughs> anyway, all right. So you have a really, well, not really long, but a, a pretty lengthy, that's what she said, personal thoughts and theory written down. You want to tell us about it, Dan? I guess we'll transition into personal thoughts and theories. All right. 
So what I have written down here is that Stargates may be real or may not be. Honestly, I don't know, you know, for a fact if they are, but let's just say that they are. When you search up Stargate, when we were doing research on this, what was the number one thing that kept coming up? Project Stargate. Project Stargate, Stargate SG-1. Stargate SG-1 a lot, the television show. I could not find anything other than the television show and movie coming up. I was like, son of a bitch. That needs to get out, get out of my search criteria, you know? Exactly. Now, what's another keyword like that? And I know you know it. Are you talking about um, Disney? There's a theory. Well, th you want to take this over? Here, you take it over. All right. Tell us about the theory of Walt Disney real quick. So there's a theory that Walt Disney had himself frozen. So one day that he could be pretty much revived, worn back up, come back to life and all that shit. So with that theory out there, when you search up Disney Frozen, the number one thing that pops up is the movie Frozen with uh, Elsa. It's a good cover up if you're going to cover up the fact that he did, in fact, freeze himself or his brain or his head or his body, whatever he yeah. froze. Was it his old body? I don't know. I don't I can't remember the theory right now off the top of my head. I knew he froze something, but yeah. Yeah. So with that being said, you search up Stargate, you get Stargate SG-1, Project Stargate. What if that's the same exact thing that's going on? They're trying to dilute the search results and the information that's out there. So it kind of like sw it sways people to not want to research that because it's too difficult to get the yeah. information. I think I had to go like two or three pages to get away from Stargate SG-1, which I mean, it's a great series. I like it. But no matter how much I changed the wording of my search, I kept getting Stargate SG-1 or the movie or Project Stargate. Like that's all the, like the results you get. Now, granted, you will find information on Stargates, but like you said, it's very diluted. So what if the government or New World Order or, or the, the powers that be powers that be did that on purpose to pretty much, you know, divert us from actually learning more about Stargates so that pretty much it's a cover up that Stargates could be real, but they just don't want everyone to know the information. Now, granted, the Stargate series government has the Stargate. They're traveling different places and stuff. I mean, you watch it, it has like the Anunnaki in it, all that shit. And some people would say, if they're trying to cover it up, why would they create a television series about it? But if they create a television series about it, and then you go and tell your friend, hey, did you hear about Stargates? And they're like, yeah, it's a television series. And you're like, no, they really existed. They're like, no, you're just crazy. You know, that's just a television show that you've taken too far. You've become too much of a fan. Yep. <sighs> makes you think, you know, makes you it wonder. Really does. And... My personal thought and theory, I'm right there with you. I want to believe so bad that these existed. However, I cannot find any hard proof that they have. I mean, yeah, there's a good carving in the side of the rock, and there's a good story, you know, about the conquistadors and the large golden disc and the gateway with the monks and Ramu and all that. But there's no really proof of this Stargate. Now, do I say they never existed or they don't exist? No, but I'm going to stay open-minded with this and say it might have been a possibility that they did exist. And it wouldn't surprise me if one day we do find that out, that there was some ancient technology here from a different race or maybe even us from the past that was a Stargate. Honestly, I want to believe they're real. And I could believe if they actually did find a Stargate, but I don't think with our technology and honestly intelligence right now that anyone knows how to actually operate it. 
And even if they did, we would never know. The government covers up everything and That's they don't want to let the public know. So, yeah. I mean, there is that article that I read that I was telling you earlier. And I think you said you remember hearing it. The, the whistleblower saying that his memories came back from when he worked on Mars. Yes. And he said like that the government has technology to where you could travel from Earth to Mars. And that they work on Mars for like 20 years. And then they, this is where it loses me is that then they do an age reversing on them and they block part of their memory off when they come back from working there. And it's not just him. There's like uh, three others saying that there is this technology that they're able to travel from Earth to Mars and that politicians use it all the time to go check because they have bases on Mars. There's a rumor that one of these stargates is located in uh, Antarctica, that the Germans actually created one at their base in Antarctica. And that's why you have all, all these politicians, because if you look, John Kerry and all the other ones, they make their way up to Antarctica and they stay up there for a few days and then they come back. And they're really secretive about what they're doing up there. Some people speculate that they're taking a Stargate and going somewhere. But again, that's just a theory. Uh, you know, I'm not saying that's a fact. You know, we're just theorizing here, hypothesizing. Yeah, it's just the things that we read and we're just, you know, put them together, I guess. Yeah. Now, think about it, though. Say everywhere that you see like a pyramid, maybe there's a Stargate located in that area somewhere. Some not being discovered yet. Some supposedly discovered. My thing is they need to hurry up and come out with them because I'm tired of traveling on a plane or driving a car. I just want to be able to have a little portal in my room where I punch in a location and I could just walk right through it. And there I am. You have no use for vehicles anymore. You have no use for walking. My portal ran out of juice, okay? <laughs> I had to go refill it so I could teleport here. <laughs> Anyways. All right. Well, do you have anything else you want to add to today's episode, Dan? No, I'm good. I'm, I'll let it all out. Nice. All right. Well, if you or a loved one have a Stargate located in your home or you know where one is located at, please send us an email at Aaron at theories of the third kind dot com or Dan at theories of the third kind dot com. We would like to come borrow it from you for a little while. Hell yeah. All right. Well, that's the end of the episode today. I hope everyone enjoyed it. Uh, now we are going to move to our on the scene. So if you don't know what our on the scene is, it is where an individual from all around the world, could be from anywhere, records themselves interviewing another individual or records themselves just talking about a theory. And uh, they submit that audio to our email. Make sure that audio is about two minutes long. No music playing in the background. No eating, no chewing, nothing like that. Please, no whispering. Yeah, no ASMR. We had, what, two ASMR, AMS, whatever the hell it's called. People whisper, they go, hey, I want me stuck on those toes. Shit like that. Don't whisper into the microphone, please. We can't hear you. Another big no-no, no music of any kind in the background, okay? The music is not allowed. Not because we don't want it. We'd love to hear music, but if it gets on the episode, then they come after us. Copyright strike. Exactly. Then there is no episode. <laughs> yeah. All right, so for our On the Scene this week, we have Chad, and we're going to play that right now. G'day, boys. Aaron, Dan, how's he's going? Um, mate, just listening to your uh, electrical grid attacks. Um, I know I'm supposed to be doing On the Scene, but I'll kind of do it with myself. Um, 
just listen to that episode and it was quite interesting. I, you didn't really cover off on maybe it's the actual electrical grid attacks were um, like a bit of a, a cover or a smoke screen for, um, you know, the mass power outages that you have. Well, or we have them um, down here. Like what, what no, they could be like a, as a cover for, um, say, they're, you know, they're doing some extreme testing at some sort of facility and they have to absorb power and they actually use leak these electrical grid attacks to the media um, or they actually get people to do it the military people like you were saying to do it as a cover for the actual power outages when what they're actually doing is um, doing some sort of experimentation in some sort of facility underground facility um, you know maybe trying to build a time machine or absorbing all the energy in that particular grid. Um, those sorts of things. So, yeah, maybe it's a bit of a smoke screen there. Also, mate, uh, well, I've got you a um, bit of a birthday shout-out. I've already sent you an email. Uh, my sister's 50th birthday on the 23rd of January this month. So, and she's a avid listener. We've been listening for a couple of years now. Um, so, yeah, my sister's Amanda, and so I wish her... Happy birthday. Um, love listening to you boys and um, I look forward to uh, tuning in on the next episode. Take it easy. See ya. Nice. Thank you, Chad, for your on the scene this week. Yes, thank you for that. And happy birthday to Amanda. Happy 50th birthday. I hope it was a good one. Yeah, happy birthday, Amanda. So back to what Chad was saying about our electrical grid attacks episode and how these could be cover up like a smoke screen for maybe the government or some entity using additional power or needing additional power. So they're like, hey, stage an attack at these substations because we're going to use this power to help power our time machine or maybe help power our Stargate. The man that jumped through time. Remember that one? He was using electrical grids. He was making power outages happen and shit. Mike Markham. We did an episode on him on Patreon. If you're not a supporter, go support us. Five dollars a month. <laughs> uh, Mike 16 Markham. Sixteen cents a day. Yeah, sixteen cents a day. Mike Markham, the man who created a time machine. Well, supposedly created a time machine, but his uh, electrical s- stations that he built like shut down entire cities. Yeah. So I mean, it could be a cover up. Government trying something. Shoot, maybe they're trying to operate a Stargate for all we know and they need enough power and let's make it seem like it was the electrical grid was sabotaged, but we just need the power. Yeah, we're just sucking that power off. See, but I like this though. You know why? Why? This is what we want. We want listeners to interact and bring forth stuff that we don't talk about because we don't cover everything for a reason. Yeah, we want to just tickle your pineal glands so that it will get you to start thinking like it did with you, Dad. Chat out on the Bobby. Hey, on the force of Australia. And I don't even know if you're from He's Australia. You <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding, Chad. But it gets you your pineal gland tickled. And I like that. And I'm proud of you. And I'm proud of your sister, Amanda. Okay? Love you both. Boom. Much love. All right. So I guess we move on to birthday shout outs, right? Yeah. All right. So our first birthday shout out goes to Chris Hudson. His birthday is on January 30th. And he wants a birthday shout out in the Hulk Hogan voice. Yeah. Let me tell you something, brother. When you come, Chris. And I can't do a good Hulk Hogan. I got like a macho man impersonation, not a Hulk Hogan. Uh, 
I can't, I can't do it. I'm sorry. I love you, Chris. Happy birthday. I hope it's a good one. I can't even think of Hulk Hogan's voice. Yeah, brother, when these 22-inch pythons run wild on you, uh, ooh, or not, I see, so I automatically, I go, Macho Man Randy Savage. Automatic Macho Man, sorry. Uh, happy birthday, Chris. Now, our next birthday shout-out goes to Kylie, whose birthday is January 29th. So, happy birthday, Kylie. All right, so our next birthday shout-out goes to Ross. His birthday is on January 30th. He has a birthday shout out from Gianna requests you to tell him he's my best friend and lover. Make sure you tell him his wife, me, Gianna, always trying to give him good laughs and smile, even the dirty minded jokes. Ooh, Ooh. Gianna wants to give you some dirty minded jokes, Ross. Hey, congratulations on having a dirty minded wife. Okay, and happy birthday to you. That's right. Happy birthday, Ross. You lucky son of a bitch. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I like it. Hey, birthday, bitch. All right, our next birthday shout-out goes to David, whose birthday was January 9th. So happy birthday to David. Happy birthday, David. Sorry it's a little late, but hey. Yeah, a little late. Here we are, giving it to you. So happy birthday. Boom. All right, so our next birthday shout-out goes to Jamie. Her birthday was on January 25th, and it is a birthday shout-out from Bernadette, who says, happy birthday, babe. I love you, and yes, I will marry you. Love, Bernadette. Oh, Woo! shit. Wait, motherfucker. Goddamn, we got us a... <laughs> motherfucker, I do, I do, I do. <laughs> hey, hey, guess what? You better send our ass a damn invite to that wedding. I'm going to be checking the P.O. box every day. Yeah, hey, and people don't think we'll... Hey, if it's not that far, we will show up, and you won't even know it's us. We'll be the wedding crashers. We'll be sitting there at the bar just drinking. Who the hell are you? Uh, who the hell are you is what I'll say back to him and I'll get my macho man suit on boom drop elbows and f- your whole wedding up That's so yeah right. we like how dare you question our appearance here <laughs> so happy birthday Jamie and congratulations yes congratulations and happy birthday alright so our next birthday shout out goes to Athena from Dallas her birthday was January 18th and the request is saying happy birthday Bina and one of your awesome, weird, slightly, and what the kind of word is that type voices? Attitude, attitudinous? Attitude? What the hell does that mean? Look, we're not that smart, okay? Attitudinous. Uh, I, so I guess you got to be awesome, weird, and slightly weird. Ah, uh, Daniel-san say, happy birthday. Yo, happy birthday, Athena, bitch. Well, that, that, that's a little aggressive. A little aggressive? Okay, uh, awesome, weird, and slightly attitude. Happy birthday, Athena. Or Bina, Bina, my bad. Happy birthday, Athena. Abina. Uh, uh, Damn it. Get your freaking name wrong. Happy birthday, bitch. <laughs> Happy <go>. birthday. <laughs> Her next birthday, shout out goes to Taya. Their birthday is on January 27th. So happy birthday to you, Taya. Happy birthday, Taya. Now, our next birthday goes to Harmony, whose birthday is on January 26th. So happy birthday to Harmony. Like that name. Happy birthday, Harmony. Love you. Proud of you. Boom. Our next birthday shout out goes to Gammy. Their birthday is on January 29th. So happy birthday, Gammy. Love you. And I'm proud of you. Happy birthday, Gammy. So our next birthday shout out goes to Allie Moen, whose birthday is on January 26th. And it's a birthday shout out from Chris and the kids. They love you. And they appreciate you. So happy birthday. Nice. Happy birthday, Allie. Your kids appreciate you. And so does Chris. And hey, you know what? 
take the day off and let him take care of the kids. And you do you. You have a treat yourself day. That's right. He said, go ahead, go into his wallet, take his credit card and go spend whatever you want. Treat yourself. Boom. All right. So the next birthday shout out goes to Unholy Kev. Their birthday was on January 13th, and it is a belated birthday shout out. So happy birthday, Unholy Kev. Sorry for the late birthday shout out. We love you, and it is not our fault, but we're proud of you. Love you and proud of you. Happy birthday, Unholy Kev. Our next birthday shout out goes to Aubrey C., whose birthday is on January 17th. Another belated birthday shout out. And they want it in a Britney Spears style. Oops, Aubrey, it's your birthday again. Is that good? Not really, but we're going to go with it. Happy birthday, <laughs> Aubrey. Happy birthday, Aubrey. I, my brain just froze up because I don't like Britney Spears. Nice. All right. So our next birthday shout out goes to 10-year-old Joel and Angel. So Joel birthday, Joel's birthday, I'm guessing, is on January 25th. And Angel's is on January 27th. Nice. Happy birthday to Joel and Angel. I hope it is good. I hope it is great. And I love you both. And I'm proud of you. You, you see what the birthday shout outs thing says? In any accent you do. Yeah, this is the accent I do. How original. Well, there you go, brother. <laughs> happy birthday. Oh, happy birthday, Joel and Angel. Ugh, hold on. Jesus, this is the second time you've done that. Let me just look. If you're a new listener, Dan is half Vietnamese, okay? All right. I am not Dan. I am Confucius Dan. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right, what's the next birthday shout-out? The next birthday shout-out is to Reed, who turned 13 on January 24th. And it's a birthday shout-out for us to sing happy birthday in a Rick Astley style. Never going to give you a birthday shout-out because you're 13 years old. Congratulations to being a teenager. It's only downhill from here. <laughs> No, it goes up from here. Don't listen to Aaron or what is it? Rick Aaron. We'll call him Rick Aaron. <laughs> yeah. Happy birthday, Reed. I hope it's a good one. Yeah. Happy birthday, Reed. All right. So our next birthday shout out is to Josh Robinson, a.k.a. The Spawn. Great movie, by the way. Um, their birthday was on January 24th. And this is a birthday shout out from your mom. She says, clean your fucking room, Josh. Damn. Even though you're a spawn and you run around in a cape, you don't mean you leave your room all dirty. No, she didn't say that. She said happy birthday. She loves you. And hey, guess what? We love you and we're proud of you too. That's right. Happy birthday, Josh. Our next birthday shout out goes to Willow, who turned 12 years old on January 24th as well. So happy birthday to Willow. Happy birthday, Willow. I hope it's a good one. Love you and proud of you. Boom. All right. So the next birthday shout out goes to Mackenzie E. Their birthday was on January 23rd. Happy birthday. We love you. And are proud of you, Mackenzie. I hope it's a good one. Boom. Happy birthday, Mackenzie. Love you and proud of you. Then our last birthday shout out for this episode is to Ryan, whose birthday was on January 18th. So happy birthday, belated birthday. It's all Aaron's fault. And since it's Aaron's fault, he's going to do a Macho Man Randy Savage impression. Ooh, yeah. Let me tell you something, Ryan. You think you're the cream of the crop? You. Yeah. But you're not. Oh, no, no. You come inside my house, you don't get birthday spankings, bitch. Happy birthday. Snap it to a Slim Jim. <laughs> Happy birthday, Ryan. Hope it's a good one. Love ya. Proud of Happy birthday, Ryan. Hope it's a good one. Or hope it was a good one. Yeah. All right. Well, 
That is the end of our birthday shout outs. Do you have any other announcements, shout outs, requests, forms to fill out, anything to tell the audience before we roll this episode out? Yes. If you want a birthday shout out request and all that, I know sending it to our emails seems like the best way to do it, but sending it to support at theories of the third kind.com is the best way to do it. Yes. If you want to guarantee your birthday shout out, do not send it to our Instagram DMs. Do not send it to our personal Instagram DMs. Do not send it to Aaron at Theories of the Third Kind. Do not send it to Dan at Theories of the Third Kind. Send it to support, S-U-P-P-O-R-T, at theoriesofthethirdkind.com with the subject line that says birthday shout out. And you will be guaranteed a birthday shout out. Okay. Now, if it's a topic suggestion, I don't mind those to the email because those I, I actually add to the list and everything. But birthday shout out, please send it to support. So if we haven't gotten to your birthday shout out, it's probably because of that. Because we forward all that stuff to support and honestly, it gets mixed up. So yeah, I had something I wanted to talk about before we turn this episode off, but I forgot. And I'm just going to save it for, uh, I'm sure I'll remember it before we record Patreon and I'll just talk about it on Patreon. Okay. All right. Well, with that being said, I want to thank you for joining us today. And again, thank you for your support. You are all amazing, every single one of you. And uh, if for some reason you can't get enough of us, just go to our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com. Click on the Patreon Episodes tab. That will take you to our Patreon where you can sign up for $5 a month and get access to 143 extra, extra episodes. That's only 16 cents a day. God damn. All right. Well, with that being said, Dan, you want to roll us out? Sure will. It's okay to be out of this world with your thoughts. Because you are not alone. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.